Napoleon Hill once said, Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. And we couldn't agree more. This is Lift Me Up. We're here to have candid conversations about something we all face, trials and heartache. We're here to explore the positives that emerge from these things. We have a blast. Remember, no matter how tough things may seem, there's always a way to rise above. This is Lift Me Up. Welcome to Lift Me Up. It is absolutely wonderful to have everybody back with us this week. And uh, we have been teasing this for probably two months now, but very, very excited about the fact that we now have our special guest here with us, Cam Milik, and uh, we are very excited to have you. Appreciate you being on with us. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Good to be with you. So um, we want to turn uh, just, I think, just straight off the bat, turn a little bit of time to you, to you to introduce yourself, your background, what you do, and then I know that uh, we've all got questions for you, and uh, who knows, maybe you can uh, help us understand why Mike cries. <laughs> maybe that'll be what it is. Always good to explore that, right? <laughs> we, we already had the episode of, oh, it's not, you know, Mike's crying. Maybe we can now figure out, hey, why is Mike crying? Yeah. You know? Or <laughs> why Absolutely. Or why doesn't Nate ever cry? <gasps> yeah, that's, that's, right. that's, that's deep. deep. That's deep. Unless yeah. it's Ted Lasso. I'm, you know, I don't know. So anyway, so I want to turn a few minutes over to you and tell us a little bit about yourself. And, you know, again, appreciate you being here. Cool. Thank you. So uh, I'm Cam Milik, married. My wife and I have six kids and um, grew up in New Mexico until I was about eight or nine. Then we moved to Pleasant Grove, Utah. And so I did all my growing up years there and did some schooling down at Utah State. Prior to that, I was down at UVU. And then I finished my graduate school at the University of Louisville in Kentucky. Oh wow! And uh, so yeah, we've got. I mentioned we got we got six kids. They're running around, doing all the things all the time. <laughs> Very right? active. Yes, kids, yes, sure. yeah. It's it's chaos in our home. So, um, but uh, yeah, I so I've been the last ten years, have been a mental health counselor, and um, I've really really enjoyed that. It's had a lot of ups and downs. I think I've been in this space of human behavior and things like that for a long, long time. Prior to that, I worked at a couple treatment centers for youth boys. And uh, and then I worked at a, a couple centers for people with varying disabilities. So helping them with uh, some developmental challenges and things like that. So yeah, as a counselor, love it, right? Work with a lot of people on a lot of different things. Used to run a lot of groups as well, mental health, substance abuse, uh, I was involved in a little bit in, in running groups for uh, regarding domestic violence, uh, both both on the offender side and also on the victim side, and uh, yeah, mm. yeah. So I don't know if that's if that no, covers that, that's the awesome. scope, I, but uh, I, I, I'm I'm curious, what made you want to get into you know what you do? Yeah, so I've always really enjoyed helping people. I remember helping people when we were really young, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my family's always been pretty, pretty geared towards that. So I knew I wanted to do something in the helping profession. I just didn't quite know what. And so I remember sitting down with my dad and he's, he's an, a, a trainer and, and does a lot of this, you know, kind of organizational stuff. And, 
And when we went through and kind of identified, well, what are the helping professions, right? And I was thinking police officer and some of these other things. And, and I don't know that I fully uh, decided on counseling really until after grad school when I landed a counseling job. We had hmm. come here and I, I applied for one and they turned me down but said, hey, they're applying over at this other place and or they're taking applicants. And so I did and got the, the job that day and the rest is wow. my history. So really enjoy that. Yeah. So you were, before we, you know, hit record, you were telling us a little bit about your approach. Um, I think uh, we, we were all super interested in the way that you describe that and, and the way that you approach helping people. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'd never thought of the concept of a, of a helping profession. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I well, literally, when you said that, I was like, huh, I never really thought about that as like a defined <laughs> way to decide what you want to do for your, with your, you know, your professional career or life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a, a, a degree in human resources and uh, I often just think that uh, there's always a joke in HR that you never find, you never go out going, man, I can't wait to be in an HR profession. <laughs> so you're the one that, right? that you know. I just found myself in it and then kind of niched it in and that was it. And so I'm like an adult babysitter a lot of times, right? <laughs> yeah. And I and I, I love I love that side of, of uh, my professional career, but I, I never thought of being in it. So the the whole uh, idea of a, of a helping profession, that's really cool. I literally never thought about that that way, so... Yeah, I love it. Uh, like I said, I, th- I think I was pretty, um, I don't know, primed to do that. But my dad did a lot of communications and really enjoyed that aspect. So I've always naturally enjoyed teaching and training and helping people with those types of things. Now in this space, right, being being a counselor, we do a lot of different, um, you know, just analyzing people's lives and and helping them <laughs> try and figure out why they're doing what they're doing. So I'm really interested in that. I, I, I love uh, helping people understand those connections, right? So my approach a lot of times is how did you learn? How did you learn things either through observation or somebody explicitly teaching you when you were younger, right? And then how similar we are now, because I don't believe that we're, we're that different. There's a quote that I really like that kind of talks about we're just uh, children a little older than the other children, <laughs> you know, and that sure. really applies to me, you That's know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, me too. there's an immature side here, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not all professional uh, licensing and things like that. So anyway, I, I really like that piece and I, I just love the idea of helping people, you know, just trying to level with them, right? Because it's so much less about hey, let's hurry you along and figure out what the problem is. I really have over the years, and and so being a counselor for the last 10 years, I've developed and evolved too, right? So I was a lot more raw in my first couple years, right, trying to trying to um, make, know, your make, way. make my way, right? Yeah. Feel the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just this new guy out in the world trying to figure out my journey, right? And, uh, and so... But, but now I really am, am just intrigued on, on the different decisions that people make to move forward in their life in whatever way, right? Because there's purpose in the movement. And 
when people look and they say, well, I just don't know why I do those things. I always like to sit back and be like, oh, there's, there's probably something there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Either maybe you don't want to know what it is, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Or maybe they, maybe you do. And that's why you might come to counseling. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of the reasons why I, I go about, uh, those things. I don't know. Did that explain that? Um, yeah, no, I think that was wonderful. Um, is there anything that, uh, that you think so far in your 10 year career that you can look and go, I think that's a defining moment. Have you had those defining moments that you look back and go, you know what, that was, that was an important moment and, and a success or helping somebody, you know, really have a breakthrough or whatever it might be, or those, do those things stick out to you more than uh, like they would for some others? Yeah. So defining moments, I, I suppose I've had a lot of breakthroughs maybe, and I can't point to one specifically that really was like, yeah, this is my, this is my calling. But I have had moments that have helped me realize that I'm just as human as everybody else. <laughs> and one of them, if I could share that, yeah. uh, when I was working at, I was working at a treatment center and this was when I was going to grad school and I, it was, grad school was wild. You know, it was a year program. It was kind of an accelerated program. So, uh, classes I had, let's see, I had, I worked nights, I had classes during the day and then I did my internship in the afternoon. So it was just pretty round clock. I mean, I, I had a day or two off maybe, but, uh, (laughs) my wife and I, we just had our first, our first, our daughter, uh, she was about 10 months old at that time. So I was working in a treatment center for kids in the foster care system and a lot of difficult backgrounds that these kids had. And, and I remember, so we got trained on all these different things on restraints and trying to get, cause there was a lot of violence, right? And these kids would, would act out a lot of times act out so that they could have some sort of human touch, right? And interaction mm-hmm. that way. But I remember specifically a situation where, uh, this kid wasn't following the rules. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty big on, I, I can handle, I can hold the line, toe the line. I've always been pretty good. I think I learned that from my parents <laughs> and, uh, and he just wasn't following the rules and it came, it got into a scuffle and I had to restrain him in, in that process of restraining him. He had gotten a bloody nose and I was working with my coworker at that time and he got a bloody nose and we were doing all the stuff the way we were supposed to, right? And he looked at me and he spit that blood right in my face. No, right? that's like a movie. And yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was wild. And I remember at that moment, I was like, I, that stuff doesn't gross me out. It doesn't bug me at all. I've never cared. But when he did that, I was like, so mad, right? <laughs> like, I want to throttle this kid, yeah. you know? And obviously I can't. They would pull my license in a second, right? Are you in jail? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to be a criminal. You know? Just the license. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. Yeah, all the repercussions, right? <laughs> but I remember that that really messed with my head a little bit, the fact that I wanted to do that. Because I've been in, the, again, these helping professions for a long time. And you do have to be critical about the way that you approach people. And I went home and I was really goofed up about it. And I talked to my wife and I said, and that really, I can't believe that I felt that way, right? And she's like, well, you're just, you're just a normal dude. Yeah, you're human. Right? Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, and so that for me was a really big indicator that like, as much as I might be a counselor working on the mental health side of things and understanding those pieces or seeking to understand that I'm just as human and, 
and uh, as, as everybody else. And so that was a pretty pivotal moment for me in this space and just understanding that there's not really that much of a difference. And, uh, and I don't think I walked around elevated like, oh, I know more than you. At least I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there and I'm like, wow, yeah, Cam is a total fool, right? But, uh, but that's the way that it was. And so that was probably one of those really defining moments for me. But there's been so many other good and bad and, and everything in between that's, that's probably propelled it the way it is. So, Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I feel like I'm the only one talking. What's the deal? I, I think, uh, you know, with what you just said um, and going back to what um, our last episode that Cammie had talked about, her experience with therapies and things like that, um, that there's really nothing wrong with the fact that, you know, you had changed. You, we talked about this briefly um, before we started was the, the fact that, you know, you ended up not connecting with that one therapist and, yeah. and then the other one was perfect for you. And I think yeah. Cam kind of pointed out right there to me is, is that, you know, you go to one and it may not, you know, feel right or whatever else. And there's nothing wrong with trying to find someone that does because, you know, we all get along because we have similar personalities. And um, that's exactly why I've known Cam for many years. Um, they lived by us in our first home and everything like that. And so I knew when we wanted to get somebody, he was the guy because he fits, <laughs> he can handle our humor. Handle the humor. <laughs> and Meg, so Megan's humor is rough. Sometimes. Um, and so the, yeah, the greatest thing it's is, is that there's, there's just, there's options for everybody. And, yeah. and, and what works, you know, for me, um, may not be the right person for you because you want more of an analytical, you know, and, and I want more of a real, like, it's kind of like choosing your friends, even though you're never going to be, it's not like you're going to hang out with your therapist outside of therapy, right? but it's gotta be someone that you're comfortable with and that you feel like is hearing what you are talking about and willing to, um, kind of dive into the things that you are saying instead of just keeping it on the surface. I think that was that was a difference for me anyway. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's such an important piece. And I think one that a lot of people don't realize is they feel re- pretty roped in when you go in to meet with someone. And I was always taught that you don't, you know, you you we can all play nice together even the different agencies right there's so many people Mm -hmm. out there that need some sort of assistance right and we're not going to get very far if we can't team up together and and work on you know if it hey if it doesn't work with this individual move on let's find somebody else that can in the world we live in today we all should be in therapy (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know maybe dip your toe in the water right you know baby toes the baby toes (laughs) right (laughs) i'm gonna gonna talk like that the rest please don't the baby toes (laughs) (laughs) that way people can know who's mike and who's nate yeah it's the only way because my my accents manly man (laughs) not so manly (laughs) uh the baby toes yes um (laughs) Yeah, I, so I, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, in and I'm just gonna I wrote a couple things down or have a couple things written down. So I just I'm just gonna read this. Um, in your experience, um, how does grief? We've talked about grief in some of our previous episodes and how we've kind of all gone through it. How does it manifest differently in you know among different individuals, age groups, or or otherwise? 
Um, and what are what would you say are the most common misconceptions about the grieving process? Um, I think there's probably a lot that goes into each individual. I'm just interested to know what, how you've experienced um, different personality styles and people to and what you what you can share with that. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of times people, when it comes to grief, uh, they'll they'll look up the steps of grief and and kind of think it's a really incremental. You move to this stage, and then it's a clear, mm-hmm. you know, from one day to the next, you're on stage, you know, step two or whatever. And um, but it, yeah, it's so different for people. We also think too that when something be- really bad or big happens, that it's going to be they're going to feel everything immediately. And whilst, while that's true for some people, it's not for everybody. I know when I've experienced some sort of grief, oftentimes through the work that I do, whether it's losing somebody that I've been working with or something like that, it doesn't set in till later. And it could be months later. And then you're like, man, that really gets at me. And so I think so much of it is just making space for the people's experience, right? And not discounting it. That's one. Of, I think one of the worst things that you can do right out of the gates is like, okay, here's what it is. Here's what you need. And and we have a, we kind of have this ethical. You know, there there are certain guidelines that we have and rules that we go by uh, in the social work field and things. And one of that is like starting where people are, right? And this idea that we are going to you're the professional in your own life. And the minute that a counselor starts jumping in and saying, here's all the things that you need without even really understanding you and where you fit into life, you know, I think can be a mistake, right? You just miss some things. And, you know, we're, this profession is just like any else or any, any other in the fact that there are a lot of, there's good services and then there's maybe not so good services. And um, so when it comes to grief, yeah, I think it's very different for those people. Yeah, miscon- I, I guess that would be one of the misconceptions is that it has a very um, specific way of manifesting for each individual. And that's just not the case, right? You may, I think you guys had been talking about, I think in, in other episodes or some of the earlier, uh, just different, different waves of sometimes things go that, that like it may, it may be difficult for a period of time and then it, and then it lulls and then it comes back later and, and it may be through an experience that somebody else had and you're like, oh man, that takes me right back there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's a big, that's a big thing that I think of. I don't even know if I'm going the direction that you, <laughs> that you no, said, no, but, uh, yeah. but grief's a big, um, yeah, we dealt well, with it a lot in that space, but yeah, go ahead. And there's no, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. And I think because the steps were put out. And people try to operate off of those, it it causes a lot of disconnect with, um, well, why aren't you sad right now? Or why aren't you upset? Why aren't you doing this or whatever, you know? Because or doing it in the order. Yeah, trying yeah. to put it in the order. And it doesn't always go in order. Sometimes it's whatever is in the middle first, you know? Absolutely. So. I don't, uh, like, that's one thing that happened with uh, when our mom passed away. That that was, like, really fast, right? Like, just it was a very quick period of her diagnosis and then her passing. And that 
everybody would say to me, why aren't you crying? Mm -hmm. I have no idea, no clue, no clue why it just, it did not, like I'm obviously (laughs) sad and it's not like I didn't shed a tear, but in the comparison to where I feel like maybe I was labeled in this section of like, sorry, you're clearly not at the same spot that everybody else is. Sure. And it was just, I don't know, it was weird. Well, and they question, are you even grieving? Are you even upset about it? Yeah. Because you're not. I'm not outwardly displaying this emotion like everybody else was, but I was in my own head, you know, in whatever way I was. I, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was just very different. Yeah. I think honestly though, uh, like I've actually had the, some of those same feelings. Cause like, yes, I am the more emotional one and I do <laughs> have them closer to the surface. <laughs> but at the same time, I've thought that about myself in the sense of like when we lost, uh, you know, Carter was a little bit different. That was our very first child. But like with Trenton, like, I don't know that I actually cried a crazy amount. Like I did, I was emotional, but I didn't necessarily, they didn't come to the surface as much. And that's where I've come to the conclusion that maybe I didn't cope as well (laughs) as I thought I did. Um, and so, you know, um, I think over the years it's helped to be more open about having that conversation when people ask about Trenton or I have the opportunity to share that because it's, it's slowly been working on me to go through that process. So it's been four years since he's been gone, but I still feel like there's times that I'm still coping with that. Well, I feel like there's a difference between not like you're, you're not crying, but you still are feeling things. Whereas like Mike was not feeling things like he was choosing to like (laughs) his coping mechanism was choosing to like just put the wall up ignore it yeah if I ignore it or it it won't hurt as much or Mm -hmm. whatever not everyone's a crier like that's true I mean I don't remember shedding a whole plethora of tears at your mom's funeral it just isn't but I'm not necessarily a crier if that makes sense. So I, I don't know if I would ever say you could judge someone because they're not crying, but I think as a person at like, as yourself, you have to like, think, am I not crying because I'm putting the wall up Mm -hmm. and trying to just push it off and forget about it. Like if I, I'm not, talking about it or for whatever. cam being a people watcher this has got to be incredibly entertaining he's already got his he's got his notes <laughs> mentally like mike needs this and i just wrote down and got him no i think is that i mean what i'm describing what we're all describing is that reality it's i mean you you deal with the grief side of, and you talk to people about those. I don't, I, I don't know why I didn't cry and maybe it's cause, but, I, but I do cry. It just, the, I think what happens for me and, and yes, I'm going to say Ted Lasso, just okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. What I, I, I can remember sending Cammy text messages and I'm like folding laundry, watching this show <laughs> One, one, one minute and I'll be like, <laughs> dang you, Ted Lasso. And I'm just like, you know, the, the shaking fist. And I'm like, one minute I'm laughing hysterically and the next minute I'm crying. 
And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I got to rewash this towel because it's all so <laughs> it's wet from the tears I'm soaking up. But I think I think I look at personally, I look at the way human emotion is, and I connect those things that, to things that I can I can internalize, but they're outwardly there for me. Like thinking about like when Melissa passed, that was that one I had a lot harder time with because she was my sister. I was very close in age. A lot of the things we experienced, we experienced together. And so anyway, so that one was a little different for me, but I look at like TV. I look at, I listen to radio and podcasts and, and I, uh, movies and I'll get emotional at a movie and Cammy be like, are you crying? <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm not like, uh, prior. Not so it, it, just my emotion is different. I don't know. Is that pretty typical? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And is it a guy thing? I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, I think, I think a lot of times <laughs> it can common. be, is it, was it normalized growing up too? Right. Was, what you know, did you see parents cry? You know, and, and, no. and that doesn't necessarily mean yes. that mom. there's an mom. indicator. Your mom was a big crier. She was a crier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think all of it's fair. You, you, you all make some really good points because, yeah, sometimes people are, are not crying because that's just their normal way or maybe it hasn't set in or something. And then sometimes it is maybe that they're like, nope, I got to. Because here's the deal. Either way, the sun's going to come up the next day and yeah. it's going to set in the evening, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's done that for ever long time right <laughs> and so i think there's room for all of it right I, I still remember our wedding day and my wife could probably correct me if if there's some details <laughs> i i missed right but uh i still remember when we first got married and i saw my one of my very dearest friends there right and that's when I got emotional. And she was like, <laughs> and she was kind of, she's offended. Know, yeah, no she's more bro like, nights. Here we are starting this life together. <laughs> you, you feel this is so beautiful, but yet you are getting emotional with your buddy when, when it's us. I should be the one, <laughs> right? Hello. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't, it, it was very much a similar experience, right? And I, I cry all the time for, various things movies especially <laughs> rudy it gets me every time oh, it's on it was on this morning <laughs> miracle all of them yeah. i've seen them a thousand times they get me every time and i'm just like silently wiping tears <laughs> <laughs> my wife's like get it together you know <laughs> but like i think that it's all okay right it's just can you make space for it mm-hmm. i just don't love when people just discount that for people right out of the gates and mm-hmm. say your experience isn't what you do. But we do this with kids too, though, right? Yeah. Like they get yeah. hurt and we get sick of it and we're like, oh, I'm you're that fine. bad. Yeah. Right? You're fine. Yeah. And they're like, I know, but he hit me. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, I'm in the midst of all that right now, right? Because the kids are like, well, what do you want me to do? Right? It's like, I think most of the time they just want to be heard yeah. from us. Right? And, yeah. and that we're not actively trying to discount the things that they, they, uh, are doing or whatever. So yeah, all of it. So what is that as far as healthy versus, cause we're basically talking about different coping skills, mechanisms, um, health, healthy versus unhealthy. How yeah. would you define that? Yeah. So I think, I think healthy is generally going to be, uh, something that's not going to part, be hurting other people or hurting yourself. Right. So, so sometimes it's okay to, to be, you know, to withdraw a little bit. I don't think that we always have to be around everybody all the time. 
uh, if I'm not maintaining connections, uh, then that's then that's a, a really big, I think a really big piece of just general life. And some people have more connections than others, and that's fine. But I think unhealthy, you get into things that are actively destroying your body or actively destroying <laughs> the environment or whatever else it is, <laughs> right? There's so many things, and or we're we're trying to numb out, right? We're trying to not. I'm going to go out of my way not to talk to that person, yeah, right? Or if we're arguing, you know, in our marriage or something like that, we're like. You know, you turn your shoulder and like, <laughs> I would normally say hi to you this morning, but I'm not. I'm just going to go make some toast. And I'm going to bounce. You know? I'm going to turn to my right and look at my wife sometimes. Yeah. Or phones. Phones are a huge one, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, phones, as much as they have so many great things, and I'll never say don't don't use those, right? But I think it can be such an easy way. We're just scrolling and we're just avoiding, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if we're actively avoiding and never really dealing with things, and then those negative things come out through our behavior, right? We're a little bit more on edge. And if somebody close to us is like, Hey, you're, you're being kind of a, a jerk, right? Like, do you see this? You're like, oh, leave me alone. Yeah. Right. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's, that's, you know, usually an indicator of poor coping. And so, but, but I think you have to be, you have to be willing to let people process it and take a minute. And sometimes that's a few days. If you look at like couples and how they solve problems, Right. There's usually one that wants to solve it pretty quickly and move on. And then there's the other one who's like, I need some time, you know, you know? give me a day or that two. Is awesome. you know? But I don't, but, but definitely if you're three weeks down the road yeah. and it's like, listen, I've tried to give you space, a lot of space and we're not meeting in the middle here because yeah. I have no idea where the black hole of this ends. Right. right. Are we talking yeah. six months? <laughs> right. if, it's, if it's something, if it's something that I did, right. I want to know pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, and if you're just withholding that from me, no, I'll tell you when I'm ready. Like, ah, what does that mean? You know? So anyway, uh, just sit idly by. <laughs> right. Right. So you can tell, I think, I think that's a good way to measure it is if you're getting into really unhealthy behavior, uh, as a result of something, then, then, you know, you're probably not coping too well. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I, uh, coping, it's a good question. We all have. Really that was actually one of my questions. Coping methods. And I feel like maybe not necessarily destructive, but like I talked on one of our first episodes about after Trenton died, one of my coping mechanisms was to keep me and the two other boys so busy that I didn't have to think about anything. Right. So I wasn't necessarily being destructive or like self-harm or doing anything like it, it wasn't hurting anything or anyone, but it definitely wasn't. It just wasn't allowing you to process. Yeah. It definitely wasn't a healthy thing. Because eventually it did catch up, and like it weighed heavy on, and you head. had you have to process it eventually, you know. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a that's one that a lot of people, you know, I especially see people if they've come out of prison or something for a long period of time, they're like idle hands or the devil's work or whatever the devil's yeah. playground, something like yeah. that, yeah. right? I hear that a lot, and and while I understand that piece, so much of us don't get used to being okay being bored. Right or being okay mm-hmm. not doing something. If you're a busybody, uh-huh. and I don't know if you're just naturally a busybody or if that was like over the top for you, maybe but, a little of both. Okay, okay, because I know you know if it if it fits with like you normally do that, uh, yeah, it makes sense, right? So I always look at the purpose and the behavior, 
right? Why are you staying so busy? Yeah, because then I don't have to, I don't have to deal. I don't have yeah. to cope. I don't have to feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. And we'll do a lot of things not to have, or a lot of things feel to, the to feels. avoid feel the, feels. the feels, right? For sure. For sure. That's a great Yeah, point. we don't like being uncomfortable. And oh, yeah. Sitting with those uncomfortable feelings is like, it's just miserable. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel that way. Well, yeah. and I think like as the mom too, it was like, I can't, we're in summertime now, like, I cannot fall apart because I have these two kids that need me. And though they saw me cry and they saw me sad and upset and everything, like it was one of those that I'm like, I cannot fall apart. So therefore we're just going to go, 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 go so that I don't fall apart. Don't, you know, like Mm -hmm. I don't just trying to keep everyone happy. Yeah. Because yeah, because they're there and I have to take care of them too. Mm-hmm. So it's like a pro and a con. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily destructive, right? Yeah. But uh but I think it 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 has that tendency to I'm just I'm just not slowing down and so <laughs> your kids are like now we're doing all the things. Wow. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, we definitely I, created some bad habits. It used to be soccer and now it's soccer, baseball, football and track. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so or every time we go to the store, I get a new toy. <laughs> right. My mom won't say no to <laughs> right. me. Yeah, yeah. That's still happening. Uh, at least it's at the DI it. is right. the one thing. But now go look at my toy room and the kids have 50 million toys that they hardly touch. That's anyway, interesting because that was Sensitive actually subject. one of my tools for uh, managing my mom guilt. So when, when our two oldest were small and I was a disaster. Um, I would, you know, just all the yelling, all the yelling and making them feel ashamed of things for, you know, that they didn't deserve to feel bad about and the overreactions to the stupidest little things. And so then if we were out, mom, I really want this, um, Alex really loved Matchbox cars, I think it was. They were a dollar. Sure, yeah, you can have one of those. Okay, it's cool. And Janie always wanted some sugary snack. <laughs> and um, well, I gave into that a lot because I felt so bad that they were stuck with me. <laughs> you know, I like, didn't get anything. <laughs> Hey, you got to go golfing every now and then. Yeah, you have your own card. You talked about that. Is that what it is? Buy myself flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's a karaoke episode. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. I I don't know if I've ever heard you say that as to why why that was a thing. Oh, yeah. No, I knew it was too. Things connecting so much. So beautiful. When it started, I just, you know, we'd go to the gas station and I'd get them sodas or I'd get them, you know, I just had a hard time saying no. It wasn't like I went crazy because especially at that time we didn't have a dinner budget. We didn't have a ton. And so it was just the a dollar here, a dollar there. They loved going to the Dollar Tree with me because they could get three or four things Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was a big deal Mm -hmm. but yeah it was all the mom guilt just they have to live with me and they have to deal with me and they you know 
Well, I think we get, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. We get into this, we call it like get into the shoulds of, of oh, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. I should do this. I should do that. And we're really good, right? Because you listen to things all the time and it's like, hey, the top three ways to do this, right? And <laughs> if you want to be this this way in your life, don't do this, don't do that, and you should do this. And uh, we always say, don't should on yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's the greatest you know, ever. You know, and it's it's really just that same idea, right? That it's it's not really going to help you to to do all the, you know, I, I, sh- I should do all of these things, you know, you'll beat yourself up enough, right, for things. And, and we always have this dynamic in couples, right, that, that wherever one is maybe toes the line a little bit more, the other one's going to try and like be a little bit looser with things, yeah. you know, so like with me, for and my, sure. with, me, yeah, with <laughs> me and my wife, right, I think a lot, I think, and she would agree with this, I think sometimes she, she's willing to like, do all the things for the kids and with the kids. And sometimes I'm like, man, she's so loose with things yeah. on, on in that front. I need to, I need to like be a little bit more, we I don't know if harsh is the best word, but, but structure. And, and, and I think a lot of times for her, she's like, okay, tone it down on the structure. Oh man. my gosh. You know, it's like so that's weird. why I'm pushing that. And so we bounce back and forth with this. <laughs> I, I like how both dynamic. of our wives are I'm looking, looking at, at the two of us. <laughs> I wasn't so trying to start this mutiny or, or uh, it's a normal thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's, it's just, it's pretty normal. But when you have space to be able to just talk about it and work through it that way and recognize this is just my perception. Like, mm. okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. It totally makes sense what you're saying about the guilt and, like we we do so much of that, right? I had that for the first long while in my career, right? Is that I missed a lot of big events with my kids being busy, mm-hmm. right? And so now I'm trying to go and be available for all the things. And that has its own challenges too. Right. Because mm-hmm. now I'm like more involved with things. And my wife was used to, in a lot of ways, making those big decisions. Mm-hmm. And so now I've got an opinion about some things, right? And she's like... <laughs> Hey, remember when you didn't have an opinion and you just yeah. kind of showed up? That was kind of nice there for a yeah. Time. It's scale better. It back it's here better. A bit, Cam. Yeah. What did you say? Scale it. Oh, back. sure. It's it's better now, right? But for sure, I think that those you know, we call we use this concept of compensation equals an overcompensation. And so when you start uh-huh. to compensate for something, you're going to do that too much. And in order to set it straight, you're going to go the other extreme. You're going to overcorrect. That's so and, true. Uh, and you're constantly trying to find that. Balance. I don't love that term in the mental health space because it's all the time balance. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know a better term for it. It's just kind of that middle ground of like mm-hmm. allowing all all of that. So anyway, yeah, because balance looks different for everyone. Sure, I think. Well, one thing that you mentioned that I've mentioned before too is, I mean, everything's about self realization. That's really what it comes down to. Is is you have to self realize for it to click. Like you as a professional could tell me till you're blue in the face <laughs> that this is, you know, these are the things you need to be doing. And until all of a sudden down the road, randomly I'm driving down the street, it clicks. Oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. That's what he meant by that. And then it works. Right. Sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's all about just figuring yourself out and, and what works and what doesn't. And you always have to be continually looking inside yourself to do that. You can't just let it go. Mm-hmm. But just kind Absolutely. of the point of going to therapy is yeah. you have someone that's kind of holding, right? Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have someone that's holding your hand saying, let me help you walk through this. Let me show you some things. You're kind of 
giving them a, a guided tour of their life so that they can look inward and say, oh, oh, that's why I was doing that. Yeah. That's what I need to fix. Yeah. If, I, if I'm if I'm functioning from the perspective of I'm trying to, I'm, I'm solving your problems and I'm missing the mark mm-hmm. as a therapist because it's really about, you know, uh, facilitating you solving your own problems. And there's so much of that, right? Like we try and solve people's problems out of the gates and, and we don't even know if they want them solved most of the time. We do this in our families. We do this with our kids all the time where, you know, they bring us a problem and we're like, okay, here's what you do. And they're like, you didn't even ask them if that's what they want. (laughs) It's like my favorite thing when somebody comes in for counseling, they'll tell me what's going on. Right. I've got a million, you know, thoughts, right. Opinions about it. Oh, you know, like I want to cheerlead them or whatever. But I'll always ask them, I say, well, what do you want to do with that? And so oftentimes they're, they're like, oh, I don't know. I just wanted to tell you. I just wanted to tell somebody. Yeah. Nobody ever listens me. to me, I right? I thought you were <laughs> supposed to tell me something. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, that's what this is about, though, too, is, is like the whole purpose of this was to make sure that we make this normal. Make it normal to talk about those things. Because yeah. half the time, sometimes it is just getting it out makes you feel so much better. Sure. Right. That's and, true. and so sometimes it takes a little bit more, it takes a little more time, but realistically, I mean, making it normal. I mean, I deal with life challenges. You deal with life challenges. Everybody here does in some form or fashion, some the same, some mm-hmm. completely different, but we just want to make it to where like you understand that there's ways out of it and there's ways through it. And you know, you don't but, have to be stuck. Yeah. And mm, right. miserable. So one of the things that I probably, probably to a damaging effect, <laughs> love to do. Camel decided. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm taking it all in. Here it is. <laughs> right. um, I, I, I think I tend to, um, g- g- being in, um, having dealt with the HR world for so long, um, and a lot of employees and a lot of, uh, back and forth. I think I've, I think the, I've hired thousands and thousands of people in my professional career. And, uh, most of those, every one of them I've interacted with in some capacity. Um, and now I find myself oftentimes looking at people and trying to put myself in a scenario of their thought of, you know, the reason this person's doing this is because of this, the reason they're doing that. And if this happens, it's going to cascade into this, 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 you know what I mean? Like I, I tend to overanalyze that through just experience over time. And I find myself doing that with my kids a lot. Wow. I didn't know you realized that. I was actually going to interject and say, will you do it with the kids? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't mean to. I think it just is, um, in a professional world, um, I think I've uh, subjected myself to that experience so often that it just starts to seep in. And um, I see with, you know, especially my, my, our, our oldest son, Alex, who works for me, um, I can tend to look at, look at what I would have done as a kid and gone, oh yeah, no, he's faking it. Sure. <laughs> like, cause here's, oh. here's, here's what would have happened. Here's how this works. 
I know that this is what I would have done. And because I know I would have done that, <laughs> that's what he's doing clearly. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I, I figured why, it out. This is why once the older two were teenagers and hit high school, I was the one that they came to to say, hey, I really want to go to this party or, hey, is it cool if my friends and I go do this for all the social things? It was always me. Because if they went and asked dad, it was no. I mean, that's kind of, we joke about that at our house. His knee-jerk reaction is always no. (laughs) What? Is there going to be this or alcohol or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. And Wow, this has got out there. Okay. Nate, lay down. We're going to have a therapy session. He would look at it and go, oh my gosh, my children at a party? My cute little baby is at a party? What's going to happen at the party? And what's going to happen afterwards? And, you know, so he would... I think he would spiral. So no was the safe answer. No, you need to stay home forever. Sure. <laughs> Which is crazy because Mike spirals in the opposite way. Mike becomes the perfect child and our children are the <laughs> worst children on the planet. Like, no. why would you get your, this is, this is a, a real conversation. Uh-oh. Why would you get your bike dirty like that? I would never have gotten my bike dirty like that. I, no. I took care of my stuff so perfectly at eight years old that I would never have run through the mud with my bike, blah, blah, blah. Like, so and I'm, I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> He's a child. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, though, now since then, I'm defending myself a little. <laughs> uh, he, minus one, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> minus one. He, he is actually more inclined to actually want to wash his stuff and keep it nice. And that's kind of the point. <laughs> it's like instilling some ownership in the items you have. And that was mainly what I was getting at. But... Maybe I, I shouldn't have brought it I myself. I never <laughs> washed my bike as a child. I did. I did. I did not. <laughs> Isn't it surprising oh, yeah. that's the two of us that did? And oh, yeah. Just, yeah, well, it's not surprising. These two yeah. should have a therapy <laughs> session, just the two of yeah. them. Yeah. I think there's a lot every, to unpack every week. here. I thought the that's last what this five is. That, yeah. Did like, I miss that? No. Yeah. <laughs> Cam's bursting over here. I could feel his energy shifting. No, it's so funny because this is all... <laughs> It's so true, right? Like, this is indicative of people's experiences. Like, this happens for us all the time at church, right? Like, so I had a, my my older sister passed away when she was three and a half. I was just one at the time, so I don't remember life with her. I've tried to glean some information from my parents, but, and then my younger sister's adopted, right? We didn't, she was so little, right? It was just, that wasn't, we just, it was the dynamic. It was just mm-hmm. us two, right? And having six kids now, right? I mean, we're just lucky to even get to church <laughs> and then like survive. And I know we're like, people are always turning their heads like, oh my gosh, these Mila kids are out of here. And I feel that deeply because <laughs> when I grew up, like we, we, we sat down. We yeah. didn't go to the bathroom. No. Oh, yeah. You never snacks? Left. snacks? No, we didn't no. have snacks. Now I'm packing <laughs> snacks for my kids and me, right? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to have all the things. So, so it is so funny that, like, my wife has been really good to help balance that out because I've had some pretty unrealistic expectations Your with wife my is kids. A rock star. She's a total rock star, right? But when it comes to that, she's like, hey, relax. They're like little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Like let them be kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like the least they could do is get a job and start helping. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, this again, five-year-old they're little. Pulling his right? own weight. <laughs> Isn't that? Uh, have you ever heard the, uh, the 
there's a joke. It's a scenario. It's a family sitting around the table, and the dad, the father says to the family, uh, "Due to the economy, we're going to have to let one of you go." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like yeah. there, there's the strict nature of can you not provide? Oh, like seriously, right. come on, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, to your point that you were saying before, right? I think we would do so much better just as humans to realize that that there's something underlying people when mm-hmm. they act differently. When they act out, right? I mean, we all just want to know that we're not crazy. But so much if we can, like if I go back and I back to circle back to that experience I had with this, this young man in in this treatment center, right? Uh, Who's a tremendous kid, right? And and I can only imagine he's doing some great things now, 10 years later, right? Uh, But that moment, there, there was a lot at play there. Right. And just in that moment for everything that happened, looking back now, I'm sure there was so much. Right. Even why he was there in the first place was a huge piece. Right. So I think that I don't hold anything against him and 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 or or anybody for that matter. But now in my life, I'm able to see that a little bit more. Right. Fighting Mm -hmm. with my parents growing up right now, now consulting them on a regular basis and Mm -hmm. like, hey, what would you do? I wouldn't have done that when I was 17. I would have been like, anything but what you guys are saying. you know. <laughs> and it's funny how that is, but I think that, that we look at that and we can say, there's probably something there. I don't know it. I may not know exactly what it is, but like that parent feeling that you get with your kids, I know something's up. I don't know what it is, right? So maybe I'll inquire. Maybe I'll let it ride depending on mm-hmm. the circumstance. And, and when you do that, I think we're in a better spot just in, in general for people realizing there's something at play there. So Yeah. Yeah, don't just assume. Sure. <laughs> she, as she slowly <laughs> looks at me and Megan looks and what is this about? <laughs> no, I, I, I love the... Uh, the ability that we have to, uh, that, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the fact that part of what Mike said that is getting the information out there and being willing to talk about it and being open about the fact that, um, you know, we, we, we discussed a little bit before we started recording, um, this, this idea, this stigma that, that exists, especially with men, um, <clears throat> that no, it's okay. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to do anything. And if I've learned anything over, um, the, you know, two plus decades of being married to my wife that I definitely needed, I, I, I should have found a better outlet for the things that were sitting within me. Um, I, uh, there's no doubt that I probably would have benefited more of having the ability to ta- have talked to somebody through stuff that I was personally dealing with. Um, it uh, that, that would have been amazing. But now mm-hmm. what's happened is I think there's a maturity that's happened. And with the maturity has come the ability to maybe in my own way better process what it is that's in my head um, and and feel better about why why it's there, you know, and, and, and what's about. So that's been a, maybe the maturity side. Well, and I think you learned some of that because you had some misconceptions about, um, counseling, mental health, all of those things Big time. and walking me or watching me go through my stuff. Um, and 
visit with counselors and psychiatrists and then go, oh. It's working. There's there's actually a point to seeing those people and it's helpful. And um, I think that really opened up because you were really close off to – getting assistance, you know, when we talked about it and I knew that there was something off, we would have a conversation and you would tell me, well, why can't you just make up your mind to be happy? Mm -hmm. And it was so hard to explain to you why I couldn't. I just knew I couldn't. Yeah. You know, there was not that element in my brain that allowed me to do that. Well, and how much of that is like a learned trait you know, like mm-hmm. our parents and they grew up where that was probably like only normal. really mentally ill people sought help or whatever. You know, like yeah. generationally back, like that was super taboo. Not even, you know, you don't mm-hmm. even talk about that. So like how much of that is is just a learned thing, you know, your dad learned it from his dad who learned it from mm-hmm. his dad. You learned it from him, you know, like, and well, I and think we're like, hitting, stigma came yes. from. yeah, it and was. I think we're hitting that like era. I, I hope I really do honestly hope we're hitting that area era, era. era <laughs> where our kids will break that cycle mm-hmm. possibly. And it will become, just normal yeah I, I i think it's shifting i yeah. think there's a world shift and i you know being in the profession maybe you could uh illustrate how more of that is there but i totally agree with you absolutely mm-hmm. agree with you there's there i hope but i also think that it is taking place mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure i think there's on the professional side of things i think there's so much of uh of it that's needed mm-hmm. right now i also uh, there are some things about the profession I don't love, right? Like, and and I think sometimes we've gone that pendulum has swung to the other direction, <laughs> yeah. right? Because there's a fair amount, and I, I'm I'm just trying to be honest here, but there's a fair amount of of people that don't want things to change, yeah. Even though they might seek out services, and then oh. there are a lot of people who do, and they put in the work, and they mm-hmm. and they actively learn why they do certain things and then they they make decisions to go a different direction so i think that you know sometimes there's it borders on hey we're doing uh you know excuses right that people will have yeah and then there's other things where like this is a true thing right this is what's going on and uh and i think it's good to be aware of that but i think i think it would you know help so many businesses right that they had some sort of counseling element that was one some of the work that i had done before is is really trying to get mental health services or that availability within a company, right? Wow. So being able to come in a couple of days a week and say, hey, if your employees need, let's meet, let's meet, let's chat, let's work through a few things, all with the purpose of like, hey, let's help them be better employees. I love yeah. that. Let's help them manage their their life that way. So I think there's so much of those things that are needed. Um, but then but then even if they're willing to analyze those things in the back, in, in the hit, in the you know, their background or where they grew up. Cause a lot of people don't want to go there. Right? Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're going to bring up my childhood. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not bringing up your childhood because we're trying to, you know, crucify everybody yeah. that did anything. Mm-hmm. But I think 
it it does it does hold some significance to yeah, why you pursue too. the things you do. It's not because oh my dad was angry. That's why I I'm angry, but <laughs> dad was angry and that influenced yeah. why oh. I might be angry yeah. or have these tendencies. Right. So you know, so it's not always a linear thing. I always say it's kind of yeah. more does it mm-hmm. does it fit there? Uh, but but yeah, I think we just do better having having that ability to get those things and those services. Some people don't need them and yeah. they're fine. Right. And their life would indicate that. And yeah. then some are like, yeah, I probably should strongly suggest. <laughs> You're you a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be too forward here, but your life's a mess. Is that where you do yeah. the, Hey, here's my card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think, uh, I, th- I think we've had an amazing conversation about, the maybe some of the whys, you know, and and what purpose we have for having individuals like yourself that can come in and and lead the point of conversation and lead us to maybe a different discovery within ourselves, um, and uh, and I I want to encourage our listeners um, to you know if you're okay with it to send some questions, you know we've asked. Um, multiple times, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we just need a wet noodle, like to everybody that listens. Well, I think hey. now they get the picture of what we're going for. Yeah, maybe this, that's. Yeah. A, yeah. This is this is why open we ask, season. Yeah, we <laughs> pummel pummel cam so we can you know get the, with these questions. We basically we we just want to help you um, be able to you know have some of those some clarity moments maybe and and whatever else it may be to just, you know, help you guys through whatever you're going through. And so this kind of conversation is essentially what hopefully we'll have each time Cam comes um, and are able to just, you know, continue to lift you guys up. Lift you up. (laughs) So the email is questions at liftmeuptalks.online. And you can find it on our website. We'll post about it as well. But I think it's perfect to be able to set that point. So thanks for being here, Cam, and we look forward for more opportunities to, to connect with you, and uh, we'll see everybody next time. See you. This has been Lift Me Up. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe so more people get the content. We can't wait to be back for the next show. But in the meantime, find us on Facebook and Instagram at liftmeup.podcast and the website at liftmeuptalks.online.